Paul Abercrombie is the global head of talent at Bazaar Voice. Paul has been in recruitment for over 20 years. In this episode, he discusses his approach to recruitment, managing teams, and much more on Coffee with a Recruiter. Okay, recording now. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Jose. I'm really good, thanks. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Thank you for asking. And just wanted to thank you for taking the time to do this podcast. Um, I've been really wanting to get you on the podcast because part of me feels that nowadays, especially in the recruitment profession, we need to hear people that are quite passionate about what they do, that have been doing it for a long time and can keep themselves going because especially with the market right now and how things are going... A lot of recruiters that I've spoken to, they feel, well, I mean, what should I do? Should I do something else? Um, how do I keep motivated or stay motivated when it comes to applying, but also with my current roles, how do I stay motivated? So just wanted to get your thoughts around that and we'll also get to know you a bit better because we've met um, before this, actually. we yeah. um, I approached you with a few questions around Bizarre Voice and you were kind enough to just jump on a call with me and talk talk me through what you do, what you've learned and who you are. So just wanted to thank you, first of all. Yeah, no, no, pleasure. And um, yeah, you, you bring up a lot of interesting points there that I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into in, in the course of this podcast. But uh, it's an interesting, interesting world right now um, for recruiters at all levels. You know, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to manage a team here at Bizarre Voice. Um, but I've seen lots of activity in the community around people obviously looking for roles, but at the same time, there, there are still roles out there, but the demand has uh, for each of those roles has, has gone through the roof, you know, hearing companies get in 250, 300, 500 applications for roles. And so for those people hiring their, those roles, they're in a, a very fortunate position. So they'll got a lot of good talent on the market but it, it does make it tough for those individuals that are are facing a situation where they, they they need to get themselves into something yeah my favorite one is the i think tiktok or bite dance role that's been circulating and it's like when you check out that role it's like 800 applications yeah just, wait what is going on here you know? i know i know it's 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 funny you do see the same jobs popping up yeah. various companies across the industry and I think I think if if, if anyone's been looking for sort of two three months you you, you kind of notice a pattern and actually it almost makes you think oh you know something something must be a little bit strange there like why 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 are they still trying to hire given the fact that there are so many candidates on the market like what is it that's holding them back from from finding the right one um but yeah tiktok I've, I've seen that one pop up many times but i actually um, know one of the um people there in their recruiting team and and she's great like very strong background from from different companies uh, and and they yeah, it's volume like they they do have you know huge volumes of applications coming in which you know, by default, we all think, oh, wow, that must be amazing. But actually, you know, I've seen it myself, not necessarily in recruiting roles, but some of our perhaps more generalist roles or, or marketing roles or um, uh, we, side note, we recently opened an office in India. Seen huge demand there, you know, five, 600 applications, um, which, as I said, like initially you think, oh, wow, that's great. But then to give those candidates 
a consistent and fair experience, whether they're a fit or not a fit, is is, is really tricky. And to 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 find the time to to, to manage it in in a fair way is is, is difficult. Um, so so yeah, lots of interesting things going on in the world right now. Yeah, I think people there's maybe a bit of a misunderstanding because volume when you get a lot of applications, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because then you think, well, how am I going to give a good service to all of those candidates and reject yep. and let the people know that they've been rejected? And then I got to book in a lot of people because there's a lot of good people that applied. And then you got to talk through all of these discussions in order to find the ideal person. So it is yep. a bit of a tricky one, but I guess that's where good candidate experience and good sort of timekeeping, time management skills can can come in handy. Um Wanted to just run through your your experience quickly in yeah. case you know we have listeners that aren't incredibly familiar with your profile. Can you give us a rundown of of who you are and what you've done? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be people listening that uh, haven't come across me uh, before, which which is absolutely fine. And uh, I love I love sort of networking and and, and telling my story uh, to, to folks. So. Um, I, uh, I've, I feel as though I've got quite an interesting background, sort of 20 years in the, the recruiting game in, in total, so to speak. Um, I actually, I saw your post recently about falling into recruitment and um, <laughs> I agreed with, with, with kind of the sentiment behind that. I, I actually chose to go down this route and um, uh, going back 20 years, I was a civil servant. So came out of school and went through A-levels. I didn't go to university, um, just a number of reasons um, uh, at the time. But uh, through the last part of my A-levels, I'd applied to like a, not a graduate scheme, but certainly like an entry scheme working at the Ministry of Defence. Um, it was like a, a year-long process. And um, as, as kind of I went from one step to the next, it got closer and closer. And before I knew it, I was... Uh, taken on in a relatively basic sort of admin role there. Um, a huge learning experience, 19 years old, traveling to, to Whitehall in London every day and working with, you know, a huge team of, of civil servants there. Um, what that allowed me to do is kind of look at all different parts of the organization and think, okay, where where do I feel that is most interesting? Where do I feel most comfortable? And uh, it was a very structured environment. So you would come in and you would do a role for a certain amount of time. So I did my first admin-y type role for about a year and a half. And then I moved into the recruitment team there. And we would hire at a, a pretty high volume, you know, sort of a couple of, couple of thousand people uh, a quarter, although we didn't really measure it in quarters, but, you know, sort of six to 7,000 people a year. Um, my team's focus was on sort of support staff so security guards and administration receptionists and 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 folks like that and initially I was just kind of working with the admin in the background and eventually sort of moved into to interviewing people to recruiting people running campaigns and all of that good stuff so I ended up doing that for about six years um, and then I, there was, I was kind of at a crossroads, right? I could stay in the civil service, have a really nice pension and and be comfortable for probably 50 years, to, to be honest. You know, I could easily work there until I retire. Um, 
that didn't kind of align with with kind of what I wanted to do and what I'd seen outside of where I was working and and kind of the world at the time um and so I I I you know from a very safe environment I I left and I joined a startup recruitment agency and so a company called Sales Logic uh and it was very much right in at the deep end right at the beginning so the founder a guy called Damien Eyre which um you know I'm still in touch with him today and he's actually a great mentor for me and someone I I, I often think about as I face challenges in 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 my role today but uh yeah given given onboarding training me and uh I think it was two others on day one all completely fresh to recruiting uh and we were told to to build business find candidates and bring in revenue can i just um, say that's such an interesting switch from permanent to let's say from in-house to then agency mm-hmm. because at least now i don't know maybe i would say nowadays the switch is a lot of times the other way around right you're you're an agency and then you go in-house right so so what was that that switch like to to an agency you said i suppose yeah. into the deep end and and how how was it yeah it was um it was pretty intense i mean at, at the time you're right i was in an internal role but i'd never really sampled a, a, a sort of you know an agency environment i'd worked with agencies but um only from an internal point of view and as i i sort of alluded to you know the the structure in a civil role allows you to be very comfortable but it doesn't really push you it doesn't really sort of make you commercially minded um and you know fact of the matter as well you're, you're kind of limited on earnings as well you know ability to kind of a nice commission was very attractive as i as i looked at uh, an opportunity with with a, a, an agency um but yeah it was it was it was pretty pretty scary you know pretty intense i remember um my last interview actually and basically had to structure a uh, a pitch like a, a pitch to a, a, a mock company um and i was like i i really didn't know where to start with my preparation and and in those days you know we're talking sort of 2000 uh 2006 i think this was so, so there wasn't loads of stuff out there online for me to to resource and, and look into so um i i remember building this big framework and like building like a, a sort of okay this is where the conversation might go but if it doesn't i need to switch to that and i was like honestly sleepless nights leading up to this kind of uh, pitch over the phone and, and my manager Damien at the time I mean he he would have done this hundreds of times before in in his past with various candidates but for me it was a massive deal and uh, I was lucky enough to get the role and as I said thrown in at the deep end learning very quickly about resilience and dealing with rejection and persistence and uh, time management and um I would say less candidate experience in those days because as a, as a you know it was absolutely key to 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 win that relationship with that candidate and build build that that trust but but you are kind of then dependent on the companies that you're working with and and it was probably less of a kind of thing in those days less talked about certainly less than than, than today but um 
I, and, and, you know, I experience the good, the bads and the ugly along the way, you know, some, some tough situations. Um, you know, there were, there were times where I actually felt, God, this is, this is just too hard. Like there's, there's so many factors in play to, to try and control a situation is, is just so difficult. Um, clients not calling me back. Um, candidates not showing for interview, um, candidates bringing their dog to an interview. That actually happened, which was interesting. That's uh, so many, incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was, I'll, I'll be honest, it wasn't actually myself. It was my colleague. Um, he he was working on with a like an IT reseller and um, it's quite a relatively junior role and receptionist called up. And said, "Oh, well, the candidates arrived, but uh, they brought their dog." And uh, <laughs> luckily enough, the company was happy with that situation. And they, you know, they looked after the dog. But it was a very strange choice by that candidate. Yeah, yeah, that's unusual. I mean, yeah, were you trying to? Was that on purpose? Was that a strategy? Or are they trying to well, achieve something? Or well, that's it. Just- yeah, like I said, like, and 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 you sort of end up questioning yourself, like, why, why, why did we not prepare for that? Like, but you just there's so many like things that just that's come the up. one thing you can't. Pre- how do you, you know, I mean, in in agency sales training, you don't get prepared for. Okay, if the if the candidate brings a dog, you should do <laughs> A, B, and C, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's an extreme example. But yeah. but there were so many little things along the way. Um, that, that, that kind of add to your learning and and eventually you develop a kind of process and a system and 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 the knockbacks and the the rejections you, you kind of accept them and, and and you think about them and, and and eventually over time they become less and less which which at that point you then start to think oh you know I can actually see a path to to growth and reward and 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 great things in in the recruitment industry um but those first sort of six six to twelve months like really tough to kind of get on the ladder so to speak um so then going back to to myself we bizarre voice were actually a, a, a client of ours at the time and i was working on finding candidates and working with hiring managers etc etc so um, I was actually in a fortunate position whereby they they uh, knew me as a you know ability my my ability to kind of deliver and I was not an unknown quantity to them. Um, and there's a a funny story which again I often think about. We we went to a meeting myself and Damien, and uh, they they were expanding in Europe at the time. They had about sort of ten. 11, maybe 12 people and a typical kind of high growth SaaS um, equity backed big plans to grow in Europe. So we need someone on the ground. Um, and there's kind of a moment in that meeting where I didn't want to sort of blurt out, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. Cause I'm sitting there with my manager. Um, but ultimately, you know, thinking about what I'd learned in the, nearly three years at the agency and, and, and what I've done previously and sort of mashing that together, thinking about what I want to go and do. Moving back internal was, was, was definitely something that, that I, I, I felt strongly about at the time. 
And in, in truth, it was probably the, the one that, the route that would suit me as a, as a professional and knowing where my strengths uh, are. Um, and so it was a discussion with Damien, hey, actually, you know, I'd really like to, to, to give this a crack. And I think at the time, Damien kind of, you know, he and I had talked about where I want to go and develop in my career. And so, so it, it all kind of made sense. So moved over to Bizarre Voice. Um, and then, again, a little bit, thrown in at the deep ends, um, very different to my last internal role, you know, working in the government, um, civil service versus high growth technology startup. Um, didn't get a laptop for sort of three or four days. Just given I had my phone, my own personal phone. It was a Blackberry. Um, somehow sort of trying to kick things off from there. Um, you know, safe to say our onboarding and, and everything else is a lot better these days. But, but in those days, especially me coming in as kind of the first recruiter on the ground outside of the US, it was kind of, I, I, you know, it's a, again, a, a tough learning experience for me in, in those early days. And I really had to sort of build relationships with the folks around me, which, in, you know, in that situation was salespeople and marketing and and a few services people as well. So they were they were uh, a lot of those are still very good friends for me today. Helps me in those early days, but my my team recruiting straight HR wise were, were all in Austin. Um, so so as I said. Came in deep end at Bizarre Voice, but I've been lucky enough to have an amazing journey along the way. Um, 11 years later, uh, still here. Well, 11 years next month, actually, which which is a huge amount of time. And I sometimes sort of sit there and, and think about that. And But I, I have to remind myself, I'm, I've, I've just had a great journey. I'm very lucky. They've looked after me really well. Um, I've seen development personally and professionally with 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 each year that's passed um the company has has a, a very strong culture and a very uh you know anyone that's worked out at bizarre voice will, will, will tell you about that and the positivity around that and, and i've experienced it along the way and so I'm, I'm still being challenged i'm still being pushed we're still doing lots of new projects and lots of new things you know just in the last year um, opening new offices in in India, it's completely new. Um, you know, I've had to work with a bunch of people internally on that. We've hired our first talent partner in India, um, and so every every time I, I sort of sometimes think, oh God, I've been here a long time. I have to remind myself I'm I'm in a very lucky position. I keep learning, I keep doing more, and and I'm very grateful for that. Um, so my team today. Uh, we've got um, seven talent partners in the team. So we've got three in the US, including one one team lead. Uh, we've got one in London, one in Belfast, one in Vilnius in Lithuania, uh, and then one in, in Bangalore in, in India as well. Uh, so seven, seven talent partners, straight recruiters, and then um, a, a talent coordinator based here in London as well. Uh, and she's like superwoman, uh, you know, if I, everyone in the team is is very strong, but the way she can kind of pull everyone together and coordinate all the candidates and keep that candidate experience smooth and and, and consistent is is exceptional. 
Oh, it's interesting you you mentioned that, and I wanted to just comment on on that initial um, move from Sales Logic to yep. to Bizarre Voice because um, just a quick point on that because I've had a few agency recruiters ask me, hey, I'm looking to apply to for an internal position. You have any tips on how to how an agency recruiter can present themselves to 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 a company, right? To a tech company, for example. How would you advise someone to go through that? I mean, if you're coming from agency and you're really looking to move internal, how do you write that? Maybe that cover letter to begin with, like what how what do you tell that company, hey, this is why I yeah. should be a good fit? Yeah. It's a very good question. And and you know, when when we hire people in the team, an agency background has has often been advantageous to those candidates it's it's not necessarily a must-have because we we have folks that have not had an agency background and and have equally done as well I think when I think about um our the, the way we work as a team and what's what's important for us um there's kind of three things internally that 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 we and the team focus on so so quality urgency and then a focus on diversity as well, which you know is very kind of prevalent in, in today's world. But if I just take those first two as an example, um, I think any any good agency recruiter should be able to talk through excellent examples on 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 how they've worked quickly and efficiently and, and with a sense of urgency, right? So the ability to kind of deliver and, and deliver at speed, which is often the ask of of the client, right? We we need these people and we need these pretty quickly because we've got to hit these goals or hit these targets or, or whatever it might be. Um, all of that plugs in very well to the internal world. However, it's a little bit more subtle and it's a little bit more in line with kind of overall company goals and and and, and the partnership with those hiring managers internally. When when you're external it's it, a focus on delivery and getting things over the line and getting things done is, is, is kind of what's often front and foremost in people's minds. But then internally, you have to kind of take that same fire internally, but, but subtly work with hiring managers and adapt it in a way that doesn't make you too sort of forceful and too sort of rigid with 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 speed but your ability to kind of understand the bigger picture is key so okay what is the real meaning behind this role why are we hiring why have we been struggling to hire hire in this position how can i tweak the process to still work quickly and efficiently but ultimately deliver a better quality end product um so it's it's that it's that kind of sense of of working very well as an agency recruiter, but being able to kind of adapt and change and and kind of see the bigger picture internally within within a tech company or, or whatever type of company that uh, that folks might be interested in in applying for. I fully understand that, and especially if I look back at my experience back at um, you know in my agency days like pressure and urgency and speed that was like the number one thing that you needed to to have and getting you you always talk about getting the deal over the line and getting things done and being a doer right now at the same time i always felt that 
and we can maybe transition into motivations, right? And sort of what keeps us going as recruiters. But yeah. when you're, especially when you're very sort of looking at commission and and having that carrot put in front of you, right? Yes. Then you just sort of almost block out other elements that are not related to that commission, right? So it comes back to things like, oh, the candidate experience side of things. Yeah. Or sometimes yeah. you see that aspect, and we've been seeing that a lot in LinkedIn when yeah. it comes to people's feelings on recruitment, um, that recruiters are X, Y, and Z, you know, to, to, to put it mildly, right? And you see yeah. a lot of maybe unethical behavior. So um, I suppose putting that 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 carrot in front of people also has that effect, right? I mean, would you say that's something that you've seen in the past, or would you say otherwise? Yeah, I think I, th- I think so. I think just kind of add another comment, really, on top of to, to sort of respond to what you said there, and, and thinking about what I talked about earlier. I think if I if I manage my team as uh, in in a way that I know works very well in an agency environment, it, it just wouldn't work here. You know, we, we need to have that kind of urgency and that speed, but you have to kind of, as I said, work in a way that that, that, that develops that close partnership with, with those hiring managers. And I know the individuals in my team are, are working internally because, you know, that high pressure boiler room type environment that you might see in an agency it's, it's, it's just ultimately not for them. You know, they can, they can, they can work to metrics and work to goals, uh, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's not one that I can be on their back about, you know, every five minutes. It's, it's one that I keep track of in the background and will communicate on a one-on-one basis and, and also report up into the, in, in the business. Um, but I need my team to be creative, to feel that they've got autonomy, to feel that they've got ownership. Um, I, 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 I mean, I will step in wherever I need to step in. Of course, that's what I need to do as a manager. But I will often encourage the team to kind of think creatively and come up with solutions and, and work through problems themselves. And ultimately, the best way to do that, and well, if you actually strip down the problems, it's often down to communication. And it's and it's often down to that partnership with those hiring managers. So. Um, Yes, we are working to metrics and, and they are important, but the team need to feel that they can they can kind of run their own desk to use a, a, an agency phrase uh, within their roles. Yeah, I think one thing I read is that it's good to set goals and Absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot of goal setting from your side and and sometimes these goals, they're external, right? Because they have to come from somewhere else, but it's also good to discuss with the people that have to execute those goals. Hey, what are you comfortable with? Do yeah. you think this is your realistic? Do you think this is achievable? Is this clear enough for you? Do you have yeah. a certain sort of methodology or approach when it comes to goal setting or just leadership in general, a step-by-step yeah. process, or maybe what's your philosophy overall? And you've given a few bits and pieces there, but what's your approach overall? Yeah. So, um, we do set goals and, uh, you know, we have to work, I have to work pretty closely on that through the year. Like Bizarre Voice can be pretty up and down in terms of volume of hiring. Like typically Q1 and Q2, we see a lot of hiring and typically Q3 and Q4, it kind of tails off. 
So, so you have to kind of get a little bit more creative with, with goal setting. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for me to say, okay, everyone needs to do X amount of hires in a quarter. Because there'll be some situations where they, they physically can't do that because they won't have that volume of roles to work on. Or they will have, you know, a huge number of roles and way exceed that number. And so then it doesn't quite feel right. And then you kind of think about the roles themselves, you know, to to, to fill a German-speaking strategic um, marketing VP level role that's that's very kind of very niche perhaps is, is you know that's going to be a lot more challenging than than perhaps a more straightforward um, sales position for instance so it, it's very hard to kind of be too rigid with with metrics our metrics kind of move as the business moves some things that do say stay consistent from one quarter to the next is our focus on um, uh, candidate experience. So we 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 survey candidates, um, and that's you know something that we've really ramped up over the last year and a half. We we proactively reach out to candidates to ask them about how they found their their experience with Bizarre Voice. Um, we also do the same for hiring managers. Um, so that's something we implemented after um, you know seeing good traction and good success with with candidate survey so we we flipped it on the head and and talked to hiring managers now about their experience working with us um we also um focus on on direct sourcing within the team and that probably won't come as a big surprise to anyone sort of listening to this you know a key skill of, of someone working internally is their ability to to source candidates um, what I'm really looking for in truth is quite a well-balanced distribution of, of where our candidates come from. And that includes sourcing, it includes referrals, it includes direct applications. And then we will work with agencies um, when strategically it, it makes sense to do so. But the agency use is, is, is a fairly small percentage overall. Um, but what I like to see is a, is a fairly even balance, as I said, across sourced preferred and, and app direct application candidates. Uh, the sourcing does take the most work, but ultimately I feel delivers the, I don't want to say the, the strongest candidates necessarily, but I think as a team, it shows our ability to really add value, right? You know, to, to post a job, to sort of sift through applications or to collect referrals, is, is, is good and an essential part of what we do today. But really what shows someone kind of working at a, a higher, more strategic level is that ability to kind of dip into the market, to, to really pitch Bizarre Voice, uh, to kind of sell the vision, to, to, to bring those candidates into a process, to work with hiring managers very closely and then ultimately close out those candidates. So I do look for, for sourced rates within, within the hires that we make. So again, not a specific number, like you must source... 10 candidates or whatever, what we tend to look at. So, so if we as a team have, have sourced or have hired, let's say 60 candidates in a quarter, I would ideally look for um, a third of those to, to have been directly sourced by the team. So of those 60, 20 came from, from us proactively reaching out to people. It's interesting how, um, and I think even hiring managers, they value that those those sourced candidates, those headhunts, 
more than let's say if you manage a referral because I mean there's maybe keen to know your thoughts on this but when it comes to referrals some hiring managers think oh I could have done that or I could have had someone else do that Um, at the same time to get a a good referral process in place and to implement it that's that's a whole story in its own so there's that to consider and and keen to know your thoughts on this, but also there's a danger that maybe too many people are coming in through referrals. And yep. sometimes that affects the quality a little bit of, of the referrals. Yep. But also, I mean, if 90% of your company is composed of referrals, and that's a crazy number, but let's say if you're getting too many, that that also dilutes, let's say, diversity, right? Um, yep. So is there an ideal balance or would you say, yeah, it's good to just keep keep in mind those those points? Yeah, uh, you touched on a lot of interesting points there. I think, um, so going back to that conversation with the hiring manager, I've, I've seen that, right? Oh, you know, why we, we just, this person applied directly or, or this person even, you know, came to me originally. Like, why, you know, what, what did you guys contribute to this? If you take a step back, you both, you're both sharing the same goal, right? And that should be clear from from day one of of any conversation with the hiring manager. You're you're, you're both in this to kind of fill this role. How we we go in there and fill this role, ultimately, um, you know, is is, is down to how we plan and strategy we build, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, wherever the candidate comes from, the the success of filling the role is is a good thing, firstly. Um, I think you're right like referrals can be um can be problematic if if you the volume is is particularly high well i say that referrals themselves the more the better it's actually the conversion on those referrals that that, that, that's the key point right so if you and and diversity is is what's behind a lot of our thinking behind you know high numbers of referrals because if you have a team of male white sort of 25 to 30 year olds um in 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 sales percentage wise if we run a campaign to drive referrals from that team the the nature of those referrals is likely to be very similar to, to to the team itself and it's 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 just a fact, you know. It's the way people socialize and their peer groups and and everything like that. And Whichever so people they know people that are similar to them, right? Whether it's their nationality or background or way of thinking. So that's one yeah. thing to consider. Yeah. So so we're actually working on initiatives at the moment, thinking about our referral program and how to 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 link that into. A, a greater diversity in the referrals that, that we have. Um, I don't have the answer for you right now because there's so many subtleties to it. And, and how do you how do you sort of frame it? And how do you talk about it internally, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. We've actually set up a, a diversity panel recently that that is going to become very close to my team and very helpful in advising on, on all these kind of issues, but our ability to kind of continue with a a strong volume of referrals and, but to ensure that that pipeline is, is, is diverse. That's, that's, it's definitely sort of something on my list at the moment and something that we're, we're, we're working pretty hard on. 
Now, one thing I wanted to touch upon was uh, motivation and sort of how you stay motivated in recruitment. As as mentioned, I mean, you've you've been at, at Bazaar quite some time. You've been in, in the profession quite some time. So I'm keen to know sort of what drives you, what 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 keeps you motivated to to continue in the in the profession. Is there anything at all? Or would you say you sort of just take it one day at a time? What are your yeah. thoughts there? Um, so going back to some of the points I've touched on already, I think I've, I've been lucky enough to be in an environment that has continued to grow and evolve and develop and as a company, you know, new products, new offices, new, you know, we've made acquisitions, uh, all kinds of things going on, which, which, you know, if you're in a company that's staying flat or, or, or kind of going the other way, um, it becomes very difficult to then carve out a, a career in recruiting. So the, or within that company, I should say. Um, so, so I've been lucky that the, the company around me has, has, has kind of matched my own growth plans and trajectory and, and, and all of that good stuff. But on a personal level, like, honestly, I, I, I take huge satisfaction from, from 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 growing teams and structuring the growth behind that, like seeing going right back to my early days, sitting in an office with about sort of nine or ten people. Three months later, there's twenty of us. Six months later, there's forty of us, uh, and then we get our first team in France, our first team in Germany, our first team in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Each stage of the way, I, I just take huge satisfaction from that and and going back to the company my, my product is strong right I, I love the company and what we do and how we help retailers and brands across the world and, and it's exciting it's social technology it's kind of what a lot of people want to be in so so my 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 company growth is strong my company product is strong both from a actual product but also a culture point of view and then, as I said, just just seeing the people come in and seeing those people grow and evolve, you know, going right back again to, to the start, I, I helped to hire a number of people very early and, and a number of those people are still here, right? And I, I remember the stories and I remember their, their processes and, and, and conversations along the way and how we, 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 we had to adapt or... or there are some people that we've hired that have ended up being, you know, the best people that we've had that there was no role for, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? You know, finance the same, well, there's no budget to hire someone or there's no physical room in the office or, or whatever it might be, but working with hiring managers, kind of creating a business case and, and, and coming up with a solution based upon that. It's just hugely satisfactory, satisfactory, Combine that with the company's always sort of been on this growth trajectory along the way. So, so we've been able to, to, to be creative with that. That's good to see that. Um, I suppose that when someone is also motivated by sort of intrinsic motivators, then that also really helps. I mean, to give you an example, so I've been reading, maybe you've read this book, um, Daniel Pink, Drive. I haven't, but I, I know of it. Yeah, it was published a while ago. And basically uh, what Daniel does is he analyzes sort of what motivates people and he comes back to those things we've been discussing. So intrinsic motivators, so things that 
you know, internally, you just like what you do, you have a passion for what you do. Yeah. And, and that sort of keeps you going versus extrinsic motivators. So sales targets, or even commission things that we've discussed. Yeah, and yeah. He mentions that intrinsic motivators are ultimately the stronger ones that can lead to better performance, better ethical behavior on the job, yeah. a lot of different things. And a few things that he mentions to develop that is you can develop that as an individual, but also a company can support someone in developing that. And one of the things, or he mentions a few tips, but one of the tips is um, he calls it ask yourself the big question, which is, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it's almost like your why almost, Mm -hmm. but uh, basically sort of why do you do what, what you do, right? Yeah. And yeah, a I lot mean, of people. You, yeah, sorry. Continue. Well, I was going to say, I, I think I, I would fall very much into that kind of intrinsic motivator category, and uh, uh, you know, I must, I must track down that book and have a look at it myself because I, I, you know, the the why is kind of a big thing for me, and 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 why I'm still here, eleven years into Bizarre Voice. So don't get me wrong, I'm, it's unlikely I'll be here forever, but um, it's you know, all of those things that I've talked about have, have meant I've, I've really enjoyed the journey. Sorry. Yeah. I say the journey it makes me sound like <laughs> a, the X factor contestant or something, but uh, it has been a, a nice ride along the way. Absolutely. And, and another thing he mentions is every day you need to ask yourself what he calls the small question. So, and what he means yeah. by that is compared to yesterday, how are you better today or what have you done to, take yourself at least one inch forward, one step forward in your profession, right? And that can be either, you know, tracking your your metrics or yeah. it can be, at least I'm using recruitment sort of terminology, right? But it can be, you know, writing your goals down, which makes you more effective. So which little tiny steps have you taken yeah. to, to become better, right? And yeah, I think yeah. that's that's important because in recruitment, I think some people have the impression that you kind of plateau, uh, you know, at at some point early on, but that's almost doing a disservice to the profession because there's so much complexity, especially if you go into the more talent acquisition side of things where you're looking at metrics, employer branding, candidate experience, all of these topics, diversity, referrals, all of that is just a base, you know, it's a, it's a book on its own. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of those, those little things and little steps along the way that, that, that you continue to kind of almost like tick off and think, Oh yeah, that's good. And, and, and that got me thinking actually, when you started talking about that, you know, I, I, um, I think about what we do as a team and have done in the past and, you know, we've done some exceptional stuff and, you know, hired huge volumes of people with, with, you know, perhaps certainly not as big a resources as other bigger tech firms out there. Um, and, and all of that I'm immensely proud of, but, but when I think of kind of what, you know, I'm, I'm, I get as much sort of buzz and excitement out of hiring, you know, a hundred people in, in a new location or whatever. But then I think about the smaller things and often like sometimes it's just the smaller things that, that actually at the end of the day, I think, Oh, wow. Like that was really good. And I've got quite a good example of that. I think um, we have a, a yearly kickoff, right? So, so as a company, we, we kind of all gather in, well, perhaps not in, well, hasn't, haven't this year due to the world we're in, but 
uh, in a typical year, we, we'll, we'll meet in, in London uh, and then in the US, they, they do a similar thing as well. And folks will f- fly in and each department will do different presentations and different um, lots of things going on. Lots of fun stuff as well, I should say, you know, we party and uh, you know, we do like the scavenger hunt things and, and, and what have you. But anyway, so uh, 350 people or so from Europe, all in London, um, CEO, CTO, CFO, all over, front row. Um, person in my team um, who who came in a year before that, I'm thinking of last year. So, so he's been with us sort of just over two years now. Um, that, he came from an agency background. He had a lot of those qualities that I mentioned taken from agency, but his ability to kind of build relationships and, and, and um, form close ties with, with hiring managers and leaderships was, was, was as good as I've seen, you know, he, he's, he's loved by, by um, the leadership team here, here in EMEA. But, but anyway, going back to that event, he was chose to kind of open, open the, the event with the kind of welcome talk, you know, him and a, a, another person from the sales team. So 350 people, you've got the CEO, the CRO, everyone there, we could have chosen anyone, but, but due to his, you know, the nature of him, um, but, but also, just, just the trust that people have on him and, and, and the likability of him. He, he was given that opportunity to kind of stand up and, and, and welcome everyone to the day and also, you know, host the awards and, and things like that. So, you know, that, that, act, that, that didn't lead to a number of hires, but just that sort of ability to kind of get in with the, the, the leadership group and to, to, to build that trust and those relationships and, and look at the doors that, that, that opens up for you. Um, I, I feel, I don't know, I don't want to necessarily brag about it, but I, I do see myself with a lot of those skills as well. And I, I kind of can relate to early on in, in, in Bizarre Voice and different things that I've done and, and been given, given that trust. Um, I mean, recruiting is my day job but, but I've been involved in so many different things here above and beyond purely recruiting and, and again it's kind of I think that trust that, that comes with delivery and performance initially because then that opens up the doors for you to, to other things. Also apologies if you see a cat walking around behind me then my cat is is trying to yeah. chase me down to, to do something so apologies for that. No worries. But yeah, I mean, stakeholder management, you've mentioned a few things around that, and it's part of the job, even if it doesn't lead necessarily to more placements. At the end of the day, you need to communicate to your managers, your stakeholders, your team, um, and yep. look after them in order to make sure that they're they're informed, they have the information they need to move forward with interviews or whatever it may be. So, I mean, that's also part of the um, the responsibilities, and that's also one of the small sort of daily to do's almost daily tasks, daily improvements yeah. that you can implement in order to get things done. You you mentioned a few things, but that you're also very involved in um, small initiatives. And I think that's important because um, a few things that I've seen, I think, on your profile is that um, there's a lot of, let's say, um, sort of volunteer work going on also at, at in your in your role or maybe at Bizarre Voice in general. Um, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that, sort of what, what you do, what you like to get involved with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 
Um, uh, generosity is is one of our core values as a company. Um, so you know we we're very sort of open with our values and and they do link into our recruiting process as well. Um, but generosity is is probably the one that's probably feels most personal to to, to folks as they think about our, our values as a whole. Um, we kind of define generosity almost in two ways. So, so, so on one hand, you've got the work internally. So just being generous with your colleagues, spending time with them, helping them on board, diving into projects, taking on things that um, above and beyond, you know, what your, what your job is. The, the kind of worst thing that you could say at Bazaar Voice is almost like, well, that's not on my job spec. It's like, well, that really doesn't matter. Like the way that you succeed here is, is by leaning into to all kinds of different things. So, so, you have this kind of internal mentality of, of generosity in, in everything that you do. And, and, and it's not something we kind of push. It's just something that, that has to happen organically. And again, what's part of the strong culture here is, is it does, right? People just, just do it. They just like being here. They like spending time with colleagues and they, they will lean in to, to, to help others. The other part of generosity is our, our work in the community. And so what contributions can we make to society as a whole? Um, and that can be in many forms, like fundraising, volunteering, working with children and, and, and young professionals, uh, supporting various good causes in, in, in whatever way is, is most impactful for them. Um, we try and, so I mentioned fundraising, but we, we, we definitely try and mix it up. We've done lots of fundraising activity, but also, you know, giving time and attention and support just, in, in, in whatever capacity has, has been helpful along the way as well. well um, oh, sorry, continue. And, and then I was just going to say, but then you, you, you kind of see all of that activity and the impact it has on folks internally, you know, their, 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 their sort of happiness that Bizarre Voice encourages this and, and, and promotes it right from the, 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 the top down. And uh, we have, um, a be generous week we call it so um folks are, are encouraged to kind of um uh, partake in in any kind of activity you know there'll be lots of people running different things across the company and, and people could kind of dip in and out of it as, as as they wish but for that week we we you know we'll have all kinds of things going on from simple things like bake sales and quizzes and, and things like that right up to sort of spending time in in sort of elderly people homes or, or, or helping um, with gardening at hospitals. I'm just trying to think of some of the things that we've done. Um, and then going back to like young professionals as well, we've got a, a fantastic scholarship scheme in the U S where we're supporting um, young women as they, they kind of move to, to college. Um, there's, there's tons of things that we do. And then, and all of that drives engagement. It makes employees happy. It makes employees proud that they work somewhere that, that kind of takes this stuff seriously. And ultimately, engaged employees drives performance and everything else. So as, as well as obviously all the benefits that we are, are, are giving to these causes, it, it, it does have a very positive impact on our own um, employee engagement and, and brand. Absolutely. I think maybe on a final note for the for these for this podcast episode, it's yep. it's employer branding, right? I mean, it's a lot of material that helps when <clears throat> when showing sort of what the culture is like at, at your company, showing what 
initiatives you're involved with. And I guess to show that genuinely people, they're they're having fun almost at, at Bizarre Voice and getting involved with a lot of different initiatives that they yeah. really love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to have fun at work is 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 huge right I, I, I can't think of um many days where i've woken up and thought oh, this whatever like i just just don't want to lean into it today you know generally uh every day is 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 fun and interesting and there's all kinds of things going on um to, to, to participate in whether it be the be generous stuff or, or just stuff internally like we'll we'll, we'll network and we'll We'll have discussions on on various subjects within the company, and and people are encouraged to to lean in and and, and help in all kinds of different ways. And on a final note, Paul. So, if anyone has any questions about your experience, yourself, maybe even yep. roles you're working on, uh, anything at all, uh, what's the best way to to reach you? Uh, they can reach me any way they like. So. Uh, Connect on LinkedIn is probably the easiest. You'll, you'll find me. There's not a lot of Abercrombies on there. So whatever <laughs> voice, you'll, you'll find me on there. Um, or, or just once you connect with me, you'll have my email as well. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to chat to anyone with any questions or looking for any help or advice um, based on anything that we've talked about here today. Awesome, Paul. Well, wanted to thank you again for taking the time it's been really fun and really interesting i mean when it comes to you know a career and motivations how to lead a team and sort of how to be an ambassador of your company i think you know there's tons of gems here that people can take away from so thank you again it's good to hear no thank you jose and uh, i appreciate uh, the time with you feel free to connect with paul his linkedin address is in the episode description If you liked this episode, then don't forget to subscribe or follow. Thanks again and stay safe.